Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast, free and on all platforms now, including YouTube. Those of you watching on YouTube, you got to see quite possibly the greatest intro of all time. So if you're just listening, head over to YouTube, check out the show there. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, there was a football game that happened today. There was, and uh, James, of course, we appreciate all Buccaneers fans making the Locked On Bucks podcast their first listen or first watch of the day, depending on how uh, you're consuming this content here today. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, advanced to 6-1 and one on the season, defeating the Chicago Bears 38-3 to three in a contest that, quite frankly, really was never close. Um, and, and obviously, I mean, we, we predicted, uh, I predicted 31-21. I kind of admitted on the show that I was being a little bit nice about the Bears' offense and kind of felt like they were close to maybe uh, executing some things. Apparently, they were a lot further off than I expected. And and to be quite honest with you, James, going back to the crossover, I kind of left the crossover feeling like I was more confident in the Chicago Bears than Lauren Cox, the host of the Locked on Bears podcast, was. Uh, to be fair, a little bit of that was just because I knew Bears fans also had to see it or listen to it. And I was like, I don't want this to, to be nothing but a love fest for the Buccaneers for those guys. So just me kind of trying to be nice to those fans. But I mean, listen, they probably know who their team is. Lauren obviously knows who their team is and coach Nagy not doing himself any favors. Uh, you know, at least they pulled that, that, you know, starting left tackle or whatever he was supposed to be and, and got rid of him there uh, before Justin Fields got totally killed. But I mean, a very impressive win with a lot of things kind of happening in it, but what was your first take uh, leaving the game there? Well, uh, apparently I should have been as diplomatic as you. I did five questions over at Windy city gridiron <laughs> uh, and I was called, arrogant i was told that i had no sense of humor i was just being honest i wasn't i'm still not sold on justin fields i don't know if that's a him problem or a matt Nagy problem maybe a little bit Definitely of more of a Nagy problem but i mean you knew that i wasn't a big fields fan coming out of the draft and it had more it it wasn't because just because he's a buckeye but right. fact of the matter is buckeye quarterbacks don't tend to translate to the nfl very well but first and foremost my biggest takeaway is um Byron Kennedy, the the fan that received the the 600th touchdown pass ball from Mike Evans, he was, which I predicted was going to happen. You did like five weeks ago, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, he was getting some hate on social media for giving the ball back and and this poor negotiating skills that he had. The guy exchanged it for another game ball and an autographed jersey. Tom yeah. Brady said in his post-game press conference he was going to get a helmet and a couple more jerseys. The Buccaneers gave him a $1,000 gift card to the team store. Like, this dude, you know, he was he gave a ball back that meant more to Tom Brady than it would have meant to him. Right. You know, to, a game ball is going to be a game ball no matter how you slice it. So I thought he did the right thing and, and did not deserve some of the hate that he was getting. But by and large, this was beginning to end dominance by the Buccaneers on both sides of the ball. And it's kind of weird to say that even at 38 to three, the score was closer than the game was. Yeah, that's, uh, that has, that's actually very accurate and also very sad 
uh, to say. But yeah, I mean, shout out to Byron Kennedy there. I mean, doing something that really he didn't have to do. I mean, at the end of the day, if yeah. he just refused to do it and said, well, tell Tom if he wants it, he can buy it on eBay like everybody else. I mean, the Buccaneers really couldn't do anything about it. It's not like you can ban him from Ray J for that or take his tickets if he's a season ticket holder. Like, he really has no obligation to give them the ball back. And so to to do it, you know, he he's – I mean, he's getting stuff out of it. Like, he's not – yeah. You know, just giving the ball back and, and walking away, you know, uh, empty handed. So let's not get too carried away, I guess, with the praise for the for the young fella. But I mean, you know, it, it is it's something that, you know, Tom Brady's been doing this for 20 plus years. You, you've you seen the documentaries and the emotion uh, that goes into what he does. I mean, again, after the boat parade, he was back out there at work training for this season that we're witnessing right now before Patrick Mahomes was. And, and you know, I'm not saying that's the difference between, you know, the Chiefs being three and four and the Buccaneers being six and one. But it just kind of shows you the mentality that Tom puts into or brings into his preparation, his gameplay. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to him. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know what other Bucks fans, you know, claim they would have done or whatever. But I think the Byron did a stand up thing by giving the ball back in the first place. But then again, you know, like you said, he he, he got quite quite a loot, uh, quite a kind of quite a, a prize package there himself for just being oh, a yeah. lucky fan that got the ball from Mike Evans, who felt terrible about giving the ball away uh, in the first place. <laughs> But, James, my first takeaway, actually, uh, we got a voicemail shortly after the game that plays kind of right perfectly into my initial takeaway following this game. So I'm going to lead off my takeaway with a member of Bucks Nation. What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. Great Bucks win coming out of the uh, coming out of the bye week. I think there's still a lot of Bucks fans who consider the Bears to be a hated rival, and I know I do. So I personally don't feel too bad about the Bucks defending Ray J and absolutely putting the smackdown on them. So. But, you know, say what you want about the inexperience of the quarterback or the uh, questions surrounding the Chicago play calling, coaching, whatever the case is. The Bucks still took care of business against a team that, frankly, I think they should be. And when you have a good team like this, they have to bury the bad teams. And while I know this is a team that came in today with 500 record, you still take care of business uh, against a struggling team. And the Bucks basically played a complete game, as far as I'm concerned, um, not much more to dissect other than nitpicking little things here and there. The playmakers made big plays, and defense was absolutely in shutdown mode. So uh, a couple, I guess, quick things. I hope uh, Delaney gets better soon. hope it's not a bad injury. Uh, cool to see Sherman coaching. I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, congrats, obviously, to Tom getting to 600 touchdowns. I'm glad he got the ball back. All right. All right, Tyler. Appreciate the phone call. And, James, that plays right into – what uh, my first take of this is, and it is that the Buccaneers are kind of starting to take that next step in the evolution of a football team. And I kind of have this broken down a little bit as an NFL team. You first have to learn how to play with effort, right? You need a team that's going to play hard week in, week out, whether you're winning, whether you're losing, whether it's raining, whether it's great weather, you need a team that's going to put in the effort. And I remember going back a few years, you say, oh, well, you know, at least the Bucs, you know, they didn't quit. And, and sadly enough, there was a time where we had Buccaneer squads that would at the end of games, they would just kind of quit. So getting to that point where you have a team that is bought in and playing for each other and puts in the effort, that's step one. Then you got to figure out how to be competitive, right? And then you figure out how to win, and that's where this Buccaneers team got at the end of last year. They started off competitive. We already had a roster that wanted to play hard. They started off competitive. Then they figured out how to win, kind of starting after that that Chiefs and Rams back-to-back loss stretch right there. And then now we're getting into the next phase. And really, if you look through the history – of Tom Brady, he's never really had to have a team kind of get to this next phase because they were really good about kind of refreshing the kind of team they were going to be every single year. So you came in again with a team that put in a lot of effort. They just had to figure out how to win because when you're doing that, teams 
are also trying to figure out how to defeat you and you have that leverage. But when you have a team that comes back the same year, second year, same players, same scheme, same coaches, that's a huge benefit. But we've also talked about it. There's a little bit of a downside to that, and that's how teams know how to figure you out. So the truly dominate consistent teams, and I'm going back to like the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s, that was pretty much the same players. It's pretty much the same players, right? The Emmitt Smiths, Michael Irvins, Troy Aikmans, all that stuff. Even the Buffalo Bills making it to four straight Super Bowls. What did they do that was different than all those other teams? They dominated their opponent, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are starting to show a little bit of that attitude about coming in and saying, you know what, you're going to do what we want you to do. We saw them lose to the Rams, and what did the Rams do? They kind of came in there and kicked the door down and said, no, 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 no. We're going to come at you from second one, and we're not going to relent until the game is over. The Buccaneers didn't really retaliate with the same type of energy. We're starting a little bit. It started with Antoine Winfield sack. We're starting to see a little bit of that type of an attitude and approach, and I think for the Buccaneers to repeat, they're going to have to get to the phase where they dominate their opponents and impose their will. And look, some people out there are like, yeah, but you dominated the, Cle- the, or the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears. Listen, this Chicago Bears team was competing all the way to the end with the Green Bay Packers, a team that's considered by and large to be an NFC champion title contender against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, only lost by 10 points. And really, they, they lost at the end of that game. That's really when, when Aaron Rodgers was able to put it away. Before that, it was a one-score game. That's the Bears team that you just beat. They, this Chicago Bears team beat the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders before, okay, all the drama that kind of is tearing down the team a little bit, by 11 points. So this is a Chicago Bears team. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals by three. The Cincinnati Bengals team that just routed the Baltimore Ravens. This is an NFL squad, guys. Even the teams at the bottom of the barrel are still NFL squads, and the Chicago Bears are a team that has a lot of effort. You saw it today. Even to the end, there was still effort. Justin Fields kind of looked a little shaking in his confidence there on the sideline a little bit, but they were still out there playing hard. They were still out there sticking in there. Justin Fields wasn't, you know, just falling down in the pocket. Say, okay, just give me another sack. He was still trying to compete. They're trying to figure out how to win. And they are a team that's so, so don't take too much away from being able to impose your will on a team like this. It's a step in the evolution of the team. That's my first takeaway. We need to continue seeing that step next weekend in new Orleans. Uh, Michigan better than Ohio state. Uh, confirmed. Wow. And you know what? I even put Justin Fields getting sacked on the photo for that voicemail to avoid any ac- accusations of Ohio State bias. And you just had to throw that in there anyway. You just had to hurt I, me. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify Michigan quarterbacks better than Ohio State quarterbacks confirmed. Is that it's really not? Honestly, it's Tom Brady. Like you take Tom Brady out of the equation. Who you got? Chad Henney, Elvis Gerbach, like those guys are really better than the Ohio State quarterbacks we've seen, honestly. On, on par, maybe. It's, <laughs> it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady separates the crew from everybody else. But, yes, because of Tom Brady, Michigan quarterbacks outshine Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. It ain't even close. Like hey, my look, grandkids won't even see them catch up if they start now. Illinois beat Penn State, so I'm just going to take that, that and I'm true. run with it. Shout out to Jill Beckman. That's right. I actually, I'm pretty sure she's going to block me on Twitter because I just tweeted to her about that. Um, anyway, uh, you know, if if you're anything like us, you know that you're bouncing around all kinds of devices and everything. You know, some devices aren't going to let you stream certain apps. We we can get rid of all of that for you because you got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You got your neighbor's best friend's login for for the Mandalorian on Disney plus, whatever it is. Well, 
I am going to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, your favorite movies, your favorite shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. Best part, no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Segment two here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. Oh, thank you, Buccaneers fans, for making us your first listen or your first watch if you're over there or over here, I suppose, on YouTube uh, every day. We are free and available on all platforms. If you haven't already, please click subscribe on YouTube or on your pat, plat, uh, podcast platform of choice. It really does help us out and it helps other Bucks fans find us as well, just like you did. James, we're going to get to our analysis aspect of this thing. And I mean, Tyler kind of already said it. Not a lot to really nitpick about this game. Uh, so it's kind of hard to analyze, but let's let's kick into offensive analysis. Uh, like you said, Tom Brady gets his 600th touchdown pass of the game. Doesn't play the entire game, but he still ends up uh, with 211 yards passing, four touchdowns, leaves the game with a 109.8 quarterback rating, four first half, first half touchdown passes, as you as you are very excited about. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think this is where we kind of need to get into things. I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my cap to you, even though I'm not wearing one. Uh, Chris Godwin, you know he's been absent from the end zone for for a little while. You mentioned it. I know some other people were talking about it. Tom Brady. Apparently, even said it's gonna be a big weekend for Chris Godwin. I think Brady was quoted as, as kind of ref, referring to like two touchdown passes going Chris's way. He didn't get two, but he did get one. Eight catches, 111 yards. is going to help me in my dynasty fantasy league where he's one of my primary receivers only lose by a little because turns out my dynasty fantasy roster strategy was not a good one. But Mike Evans, 76 catches, three touchdowns, including whoa, whoa, whoa. 76 yards. <laughs> 76 yards. My bad. <laughs> 76 yards. There's somebody on Twitter who's just waiting for that, and they're going to bust me out for it. So that's, that's yep. great. Enjoy that moment. I got your back. Buddy. 76 yards, three touchdowns, including the 600th touchdown pass of Tom Brady's career, who he then gave away to young Byron, who fortunately gave the ball back. But, I mean, like you like you already kind of mentioned, dominance, right, all over the field. I mean, uh, Khalil Mack wasn't, wasn't a huge impact in this game. Didn't hear um, once. What's that? Didn't hear his name one time. Yeah. I mean, no no turnovers in this game, no sacks allowed in this game, which was my bold prediction is that uh, the Chicago Bears defense that lives on getting pressure on the quarterback and sacking the quarterback would not get a single one, even with Khalil Mack active. And uh, that, that premonition, that prediction came true. So while the Chicago Bears uh, and Windy City, whatever's that, that, that they're called, enjoy their asterisk on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl win, from last year, they can also take that L along with their asterisk and uh, go get themselves some deep dish. Their deep dish is going to be filled with tears and sadness. Um, yeah. But hey, I don't have a sense of humor, and I was arrogant when spitting facts about how bad of a coach Matt Nagy is. I mean, in reality, you were just responding in kind to whoever sent you the questions because their questions were filled with sarcastic humor. You responded with sarcastic humor. It's just... They don't appreciate so so they can dish, right? But they can't receive, which honestly is pretty much on par for Chicago. Like I've been to Chicago a lot, 
And Chicagoans like, well, flip you a bird, honk a horn, call you a name, quick, fast, in a hurry. But you even shoot them a sideways glance and they get all kinds of offended. I love Chicago. I love Chicago. And so if you're out there in Chicago, don't shoot me. But it's just it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, it is. Look, my my offensive analysis as far as this was concerned, it was a, a, a phenomenal game. Like, what else can you say about it other than the fact that I could have used Chris Godwin getting into the end zone instead of being stopped at the one yard line because also had him in fantasy. And I as we're recording this, I'm I'm down a little bit. Still a small chance, but I also started Allen Robinson because I didn't have any other choice. Um Something else that we're, we're, we haven't talked about yet that I do want to bring up, 182 rushing yards as a team. Ronald Jones was running like a man on a mission when he was getting his opportunities. And, David, that's what we talked about when we talked about you know the, the running back situation was that Ronald Jones hasn't been getting, getting a lot of opportunities, but when he has gotten opportunities, he has not done much with them. That changed in this game. He was hitting, you know, the he was hitting running lanes with decisiveness. He was getting quick bursts. He was gaining, you know, 8, 12, 14 yards on, on some of these runs. He looked like a guy that we saw in 2020, and he was playing really, really well. So it was a collective effort from the running backs. Even Keyshawn Vaughn had some really good runs at the end of the fourth quarter there after the starters' days were done. So it was it was an all around phenomenal performance by by the offense. You know, Mike Evans with the hat trick, he caught the six hundredth, six hundred and first, and the six hundred and second touchdowns from from Tom Brady. Um, could have used a little more Godwin love again, but there were some plays that they still left out on the field. Uh, you know, Cam Brate had a had a bad drop. There were some passes. I mean, after that six hundred touchdown, Brady threw a career high. Yeah. Six six consecutive incomplete passes uh-huh. he was overthrowing guys by a lot yeah. so it, it wasn't all perfection and sunshine and rainbows and uh you know whatever else you want to you want to throw in there there were some lulls but at the end of the day the the buccaneers did more than enough to get the job done on both sides of the ball yeah i mean six round draft pick who won his sixth super bowl before the end of his 16th season throws 600 touchdowns and 600 incompletions uh, right after it. So basically what we've confirmed is that Tom Brady is the Antichrist. It's a lot of sixes. It's way too many sixes. There were two of them on his jersey as well. There um, were conspiracy theories that as soon as he threw that 600th pass, his deal with the devil was up, and that's why he started throwing all those incomplete passes was because Father Time hit him at that exact moment because you know, he made the deal with the devil, and he reached that point. Time's up. Cinderella has to go home. Maybe. We'll see. Spoiler alert. Ronald Jones. It's not happening. Ronald Jones definitely running uh, like a man possessed, like a hungry young running back. And uh, you know who else was hungry, James? The Buccaneers defense. Hey, guys. This is Yousef out here in Phoenix. So who let the dogs out? I'll let you finish the other part of that song. But what Todd Bowles did today is just like he's let everyone free. Just let everyone free. Like it was a phenomenal game plan, phenomenal uh, for some of these guys on defense to step up. We guys just keep going down, and they keep just playing as hard as they can. I'm so proud of this defense. Prayers go out to Jamel Dean. Looks like it might have been a stinger, 
collarbone or shoulder kind of thing. I don't know. Hopefully it's not serious. But guys just keep stepping up, keep doing what they got to do. It's impressive. Offensively, we didn't even have Antonio Brown or Gronk, and we still put up 38. It's just impressive, guys. Like you said, James, last week, like what other team can do this? Losing key pieces on their team and keep winning. It's it's impressive. And any given Sunday, you can win or lose. And the Bucks just keep putting the pedal to the metal. So got the Saints next week. And, you know, you know what I say. Not getting too high or not too low either. But uh, as always, go Bucks. Yusef, thank you very much for the call. And David, this defense showed up to play. And this will kind of roll into my bold prediction that came true. Because this was a team that had given up almost 100 yards in just defensive pass interference penalties in week six against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Buccaneers, my bold prediction, if you remember, was less than 40 penalty yards on the game. It was the Chicago game last year where the penalties got out of control. They said enough's enough. They put a stop to it. 10 penalty yards in this game. One penalty, offensive holding for 10 yards. This makeshift ragtag uh, rapscallion group of, of corners got the job done. Bruce Arian said after the game that Jamel Dean appears to be fine. Looks like he's going to be all right. Dee Delaney came out and said that he's going to be fine, so he could be good to go next week. Shout out uh, Coach of the Year nominee Richard Sherman. So they were getting pressure on fields the whole time. Justin Fields has been sacked on 15% of his dropbacks heading into this game, which was by far the most in the NFL. The Buccaneers come away with four sacks. They get five takeaways five that is ridiculous and it was done by guys like Pierre Desir and D Delaney making plays in the secondary it was this was the best defensive performance we've seen from this team since the Super Bowl hands down no question about it yeah I mean I, I agree with that sentiment and listen I don't, I don't want to say too much here but like two weeks ago we started talking about how this defense was was performing really a lot better than people were kind of giving it credit considering all the injuries. And uh, not only have they continued that, but they've actually gotten better. One week ago before the last game, we talked about O.J. Howard. He comes alive. This last week, we talked about Jalen Darden, Chris Godwin, and both Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm not saying, but I'm saying we're going to figure out who we're going to bless here in, in this next week for the Saints game, James. But right now, we're going to bless our listeners and our viewers because, Bucks fans, you are now about to hear about an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. And that's pretty much all of you, most of you, if not all of you. I know it's me. I know it's James. And the app is called Get Upside, which we both already downloaded it. So you need to download it because we, just like some of our listeners, are getting up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas, every time we fill up just by downloading the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. When you do, sign up, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you'll get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back just for filling up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you'll get up to $0.50 cents per gallon back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. 
Cashback gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime you want, whether it's PayPal, an e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cashback on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN on the GetUpside app. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you are the one that is missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars, let's be honest, they're chalky, they're waxy, they're hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you're going to enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're even eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, high-protein, all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. I tried for the first time this morning when we were heading out to my son's hockey game, Blueberry Muffin. David, this one is in the running for my favorite Built Bar. Absolutely phenomenal. Some of the other flavors, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie. There's Rocky Road, coconut, almond, cookies and cream, salted caramel, cherry, barcia, peanut butter brownie. This month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Seriously, go order the blueberry muffin. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We are wrapping things up here on a Victory Monday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. James Yarko, David Harrison on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks at dharrison82. That's right. Victory Monday. It's oh so sweet. Just an absolute bludgeoning of the Chicago Bears. You should be watching this show over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe while you're there. But David, we have plays and players of the game. Going to kick it over to you first. What is your play of the game? Uh, my play of the game came really early because, I mean, again, this game was, was really over uh, before it got fully started. And my play of the game, James is the strip sack from none other than Antoine Winfield Jr., the free safety returning from concussion protocol, screaming off the edge. You said you saw it coming while I was watching the game. I saw it coming. Justin Fields didn't see it coming. His left tackle surely didn't see it coming. And next thing you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. is all over his fellow Big Ten mate, former college opponent there uh, when uh, Antoine was playing with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So Antoine Winfield Jr.'s strip, strip sack of Justin Fields, even though the Buccaneers actually one of the few turnover opportunities the Buccaneers didn't get uh, is my play of the game. Yeah, it was phenomenal play. And that's why it was so important to get Antoine Winfield Jr. back. All due respect to Mike Edwards, who's a great safety. All due respect to Jordan Whitehead. They just don't have what Antoine Winfield Jr. has. And as soon as he came up to that line, I looked at Beckett and I was like, Winfield Jr. is about to get a sack here. And he came flying off that line. And it was it was more than just a sack. Uh, David, I'm going to flip it over to the offensive side of the ball for my play of the game. Also came pretty early there in uh, – that was the first quarter, wasn't it? It was. But my play of the game is the 600th career touchdown pass in the regular season, mind you, from Tom Brady. It really just started the snowball effect – for the Chicago Bears and the Buccaneers, just kind of different kinds of snowballs uh, that set the Bucs up 
to be uh, to be up 14 to nothing over the Bears in a, in a first quarter that ultimately ended up finishing 21 to nothing. It was the beginning of a hat trick day for Mike Evans. It impacted uh, was it Byron Kennedy's life in in phenomenal ways because he's about to get all kinds of swag from the Buccaneers for giving that football back. But what else can you say about Tom Brady, man? He was ready for this game. He remembered all the jokes. He remembered all the memes. He remembered all the gifts. And uh, so he uh, he dropped four touchdown passes in the first half on the Chicago Bears. And this was by far the biggest one as far as career milestones were concerned. I agree that uh, Tom Brady's 600 career touchdown pass, which I predicted many weeks ago uh, would happen. Um, the play of the game, James. Who's your who's your player of the game? My player of the game, uh, I am full-blown cheating here, but it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. Your play of the game, Antoine Winfield Jr. with the strip sack. Then you had interceptions from Pierre Desir, D. Delaney, Jordan Whitehead, and shout out Evan Klosky from 10 Tampa Bay on our WTSP Wednesday episode. His bold prediction was that no Bears receivers were going to go over 40 yards receiving. Their leading receiver was tight end Cole Komet with 43, so no Bears receivers went over 40 yards against, once again, this makeshift, ragtag, rapscallion group of corners where we saw Jamel Dean leave the game, we saw Dee Delaney leave the game, we had Pierre Desir coming in and making an interception on his second play of the game. It was an absolutely phenomenal performance out of this secondary against guys like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, who, even though Allen Robinson hasn't been a big part of the Bears game plan, he is still one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Darnell Mooney is one of the elite deep threats in the NFL. The secondary shut them down. I can't pick just one. Give me the whole secondary for my player of the game. Yeah, I mean, going back to Evan's prediction, Darnell Mooney finishes the game with 39 yards received. I mean, come on. Come on. Like, that's just that's just a little ridiculous. But uh, And then, yeah, Pierre Desir uh, pictured there for those of you watching on YouTube. You saw his, his image there following his interception. Uh, and James, my player of the game, and, and listen, and I know you have a problem with this already, so I'm just going to get right no, to it. My player of the game is Todd Bowles. Look, before we started recording, I told David, like, look, I'm going to cheat a little bit on my player of the game. And he got a little defensive. He was like, you can't cheat on your on your player of the game. He's like, you're taking the Bucks secondary. And then his player of the game wasn't a player at all. It's a coach. But listen, so, James, let, let me let me come in right here. If D Delaney is a starting cornerback in the National Football League, then Todd Bowles is the player of this game. You cannot tell me that with Antoine Winfield Jr. returning for the first game in three weeks, that with Jordan Whitehead being much more of a box safety than a cover safety going against an offense that likes to stretch the field and has weapons, like you mentioned, like Darnell Mooney, to stretch the field so you manipulate what side of the field he's on, get him matched up on Jordan Whitefield, Whitehead's side. With Pierre Desir, with Richard Sherman out, with Jamel Dean still active but not completely 100% healthy, no Carlton Davis, no Sean Murphy bunting, Todd Bowles, if, if D Delaney is a starting NFL cornerback in week seven of the 2021 NFL season, then Todd Bowles is my player. And that's fine. I, I honestly, I have no problem with it because Todd Bowles, 
had this defense ready to go. Now you could have been like my player of the game is Richard Sherman for being the corner, the pseudo cornerbacks coach yeah. with, with the Bucks cornerbacks coach being on, on the COVID protocol. But and we know that was much that more of just a veteran mentorship role than a coach role. Was it? Yes. Was it? Because yes. there's a precedent here. Let me tell you um, something. If you're going to tell every defensive backs coach in the NFL and every defensive backs coach in relation to it in, in big time college football programs that a player with zero coaching experience can come in on two days of preparation and be an ultimately effective cornerbacks coach, you're about to offend a whole lot of cornerbacks coaches I'm, out there in, in, in the football world. No, what I'm saying is Bruce Arians has a history of finding players yeah. that he urges to become coaches, right? right? And we saw it last year with A.Q. Shipley. A.Q. Yeah. Shipley goes down with injury. He immediately becomes a coaching intern with the team. Same thing happens with Richard Sherman. That's not the same thing. Richard Sherman is the pseudo-defensive backs coach on the sideline with a headset on. That is not the same thing. Trust me. That was much more of a veteran mentorship role than it was a position. he steps in to help coach these defensive backs. Yeah. Coaching them in the sense, like, I coach you on how to be a better person because since I'm a better person than you, I have to help you become a better person. If you were actually a better person, you wouldn't have said that. You're a better person. Good grief. Fun off the rails here, I think. Completely off the rails. With that, we're going to get out of here. But real quick, David, what do Mike Evans and my son Beckett have in common? They both scored three times on uh, Sunday. That's right. What do they not have in common? Uh, Mike Evans did not get a 10-minute major penalty. (laughs) For boarding a kid. Good grief. (laughs) Future Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning forward, Beckett Yarko. Hey. As long as he's not a, they beat the Bruins today. Uh, so as long as Beckett doesn't become a Bruin as an adult, I'm good. He can play for UCLA. That's an okay Bruin. With that, David, we got to get out of here, man. Thank you to Tyler from Boston and our buddy Yousef for calling in. If you want to call in with your reactions, questions, anything at all, give us a shout at 813-444-5841. You can send us your emails at lockedonbuckspodcast at gmail.com. And we thank each and every one of you that do so, just like we thank each and every one of you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of the day. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We are going to dive into our biggest takeaways following this win that sent the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to their first 6-1 and start in franchise history. Now you got to make your second listen of the day, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It is also free and available on all platforms. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRO underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore nation david i'm off to go try to find a sense of humor apparently but i want everybody out there to uh stay safe stay healthy wash your hands be good to one another thank you so much for joining